Okay, I'm back, and I'm going to cover 8 and 9. So on page 76, it says, now we need more action, right? We're in the chapter into action. We're in the middle of taking an inventory, and the inventory process, again, is 4 through 9. I'm still gathering information, swallowing chunks of truth about myself. I didn't really get the work that I did in 4, 5, 6, and 7 until I got into 8. It all started becoming clear. It was like funneling things into this last final stage of when I'm ready to go clean up all of the mess that I've made. And the wording is so beautiful in here. It says, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> it says, let's look at steps eight and nine. We made a list of persons we harmed and whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. I, if my work is really thorough, and as a sponsor, I'm very, very thorough in a fourth step because I know what the path is supposed to look like. I have a very clear picture, so I can help you get thorough in four because I know you need the information to have God remove your character defects in six and seven and help clean up all the wreckage of your past in eight and nine. So the work is done in the fourth step. It's, it's just beautiful. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal, which is four, and I continue that every day in ten. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. Bam! Back to step three, right? This is a direct effect of how I show up the mess I make, all of the debris that I accumulate, it's time for me to do some cleanup. I always call it cleanup in eight and nine. Aisle, <laughs> aisle eight and nine. You know, like I'm a grocery store clerk. There's a cleanup needed in eight and nine. And um, if I don't have the will to do this, I ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning that we would go to any lengths for victory over food and alcohol and my character defects, right? whatever I'm powerless over. So I think most of this chapter is step eight. By the time I am so thorough with my sponsor, swallowing and digesting chunks of truth about myself and looking at the harms I've done, I'm ready to go make amends in nine. So I always tell people, listen, we're not making amends yet. Let's do some work so that we can, you know, iron out all of the scary stuff that makes people prevent themselves from going out and doing nine. I was so scared of, of nine. And, and it really, really was all about, you know, my fear and my confusion is equal to what my ego does not want me to see. And my ego was not allowing me to see how I actually, the debris. I didn't want to look at the debris. I remember the first time that I got to this point, I didn't have a sponsor that was really knowledgeable about eight and nine. Um, she was wonderful, and she had a really great intention. It wasn't her fault. She was taught what she was taught. But she said, all right, you wrote your stuff. Now go out, and I want you to start writing letters to everybody on your list. Well, this is what my letters sounded like. Um, I'm writing to you because I need to apologize I was raised by a very sick woman who, you know, didn't teach me how to... And it was all excuse after excuse after excuse. 
until I got to the final forgive me, right? Because my ego was so still involved in there. And I'm taught every week at my home group, this is a process of ego deflation. It, no lie, this is not about me. And if I am not, you know, Kim went over that beautiful page on, um, 50, on 73. There's three things that I need. It says that people relapse because they only thought they lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in a sense that we find it necessary until they tell somebody their whole life story and also until they clean up. I'm not going to get this sense of humility uh, this this sense of humility that I need, you know, this lack of Maria. She's still showing up. Because I got excuses out the butt about why I do everything, right? And they're really good excuses, justified. So on, on 77, there's a line in here that I just absolutely love. It says, my real purpose now in my life is to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. All roads lead back to step three. God comes first. All of his fellows and my fellows, his children, come second. And then the batting order is me last. And I don't like that batting order. I'm always going to revert my, to my default setting, which is selfishness. What about me? What about me? What am I not getting? What am I? And my self-importance tells me I have to fit myself. Now, we're in OA today, so I know what it's like to fit myself into a size 7 when I'm a size 9. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's, it's really uncomfortable. It's me and my will, right? Sometimes I have to do acts against my own will. I don't want to go to these people. But my sponsor was, my set, real sponsor, was dead set against any farting around in step nine. You know, and we'll talk about that, you know. Um, it worked for me. And I kept coming up with ideas about how I was going to make my amends. And she would say... What did you do that for? I didn't tell you to go make amends yet. Now you got to go do it, do it the right way. I kept doing it the wrong way because I didn't know any other way. I thought I knew how to do something. I made up the rules myself, and I went and did it. I didn't utilize a guide who had worked out all of the rough spots with other people because she probably sponsored half of Philadelphia. You know, why am I not listening to her? Because I'm scared. I don't want to see it. I don't want to do it. Right? This was tough for me. Um, the question of how to approach a man that we hated will arise. It may be that he has done more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, how did I do that? My resentment prayer. That gives me a better attitude toward him. We are still not keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Beautiful directions there, right? Taking the bit in my teeth, I, I, I had to understand what a bit was, first of all, right? And this analogy is beautiful. If I have a horse and I am the rider of a horse, I need to have the freedom to guide that horse wherever I need it to go. And the, and the tool that's used is the bit. The bit goes in the teeth. The reins are connected to the bit. 
So I have the ability as a rider to pull left, right, back to stop, right? And I need that in my own life because I need somebody to hold the reins. I am not capable of holding the reins. I need a higher power that's going to discipline me and he's going to pull the reins. So this bit in my teeth thing is difficult for me, you know, because I don't want to have a bit in my teeth. I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. I want to come up with my own ideas. And I keep on making mistakes and getting in trouble. It's freeing for me now to have a bit in my teeth. I'm so surrendered now, today. Thank God for today. I go to this person, right, and his faults are not discussed. I'm on the top of 78. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. It's given me some posturing, right? I go to this person. His faults are not discussed. I just talk about my own stuff, and I do it in a calm, frank, and open manner. Now, my letter that I was writing was not calm, (laughs) frank, or open. My initial ego is making me very nervous, I'm not quick and to the point, I'm very wordy, and I'm not open at all. I'm trying to cover up what needs to be fixed, right? So, um, again, this word here, this use of word is very important. It says, it should not matter, matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We have made our demonstration, done our part. Making demonstration is another implication that I am powerless, but... Let me let God demonstrate through me what he can do. If I can get rid of my ego a little bit, say my fear prayer, get guidance from my sponsor, you know, maybe I do a little phone call before I go into an amends with her, and I like to bookend them. Call me when you get out, just in case it goes south and we could do a 10-step over it. I do a lot of hand-holding in these steps. It's just what my sponsor taught me to do. I don't have the discipline yet of 10, 11, and 12. This is a new language. I was never taught how to make, how to make an apology. In fact, if you apologize in my family, that was like admitting like you, that was it. You were like a wounded animal and they would peck you to death. You know, like that was their in. You couldn't do that in my family, right? So the first, these paragraphs are broken down beautifully because it tells you what to do in each uh, way that I've made a, me- a mess, okay? So the first one's going to be, we, most alcoholics owe money, okay? So I always go over, aside from going over face-to-face amends, and I was taught they're always face-to-face when they can be, those are the people that are showing up on your, on your resentment list, right? And some harms that may have done, be done not in conjunction with resentments. But I go over people's money. What's your money like? Like, what's going on, especially in Alcoholics Anonymous, and sometimes in Overeaters Anonymous, too. We do a lot of, there's a beautiful, in in the third column, we look at how things affected our pocketbook. Did I overcompensate for not feeling good enough by buying a lot of stuff in my life? Showering people with presents? Going into debt to try to make the outsides look good? Man, did I have a lot of debt. I have to make financial restitution, okay? And it tells me how to do that. Um, I'm going to go to the people that I have, uh, maybe I owe money to, or maybe I borrowed some stuff that I never returned. <laughs> hmm, I like to look at that too. Um, it says most, most ruthless creditors will sometimes surprise us. 
Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know that we are sorry. Our eating or drinking has made us slow to pay. And here's a, another warning. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. I can't go walking around in life with a bunch of boulders in a backpack, and, and debt is something that I lose sleep over. And this was the biggest amends. And I'll give you an example when I finish. This was my biggest amends that I had to make. Um, criminal offenses. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense. Next paragraph. It tells you ex exactly what you have to do. Some of these things could be like, you know, petty offenses such as padding the expense account. A lot of people have done that. Cash, reg cash register dishonesty. Uh, we talk about, you know, shoplifting. A lot of women love shoplift. I, I was a shoplifter when I was a young girl. You know, I had to make amends for that. Um, and there's wonderful ways that you can do that. Uh, it says here that these reparations take innumerable forms on 79. There are some general principles we find guiding. Reminding ourselves we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. I have had sponsees that had had to turn themselves in for criminal offenses. Amazing, amazing amen stories. When you go to a lot of meetings and you hear amen stories, they are inspiring. People can live through anything, the biggest fears. I listened to other people that had amends that I, I thought, man, I, what am I worried about? I don't have to go turn myself in for anything. It was, it, I've, I've seen people overcome amazing things in their amends stories and, and heal, and I wanted that. So now I can, you know, get a better, clearer picture about me and my big mess that I make. Yeah, I can do it. If other people can do it, I have to see that it works for other people, and then I'm willing to do it for myself. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail. Ego, right? But we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. I got to be able to walk around this, you know, look people in the eye, and have no shame in my game. So if I've got a mess that I have to clean up, I have to be willing to do it, right? And plus, I have this, this faith that God's going to take care of it, you know? Um, the next, oh, there's a, there's a prayer in here. Um, on 79, the first ninth step prayer is, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what our personal consequences may be. So if you have some of those scary things, you can say that ninth step prayer to help you get willing to make the amends in step eight. Um, next paragraph starts with, usually other people are involved, and this is called third party involvement. So, uh, there's a story here, you know, usually, um, it's has to do with if I make amends for something to you and there's somebody else that I'm going to involve when I make this amends, that's not okay. It says here, we may direct amends to such people wherever, wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. This is the third party uh, involvement that they're talking about there. So it says, it gives me direction on page 80. Before taking drastic action, we might implicate other people we secure their consent, and there's things, three things I have to do. I obtain permission from that third party. I have consulted with others. That's a sponsor or a guide or a teacher. And three, I ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated I must not shrink. 
So I'm getting into some prayer and meditation here. I'm getting quiet. I'm listening to God. Direct me. How do I do this? Right? But there's some really clear, clear, clear uh, directions here. At the bottom of 80, it tells me what to do in domestic troubles. Usually this is adultery, you know. Uh, people cheating is, is, is what is going on here, you know, in this story. Um, basically, what it says about that is uh, that our, des our design for living is not a one-way street, is as good, as, as good for the wife as it is for the husband. If we can forget, so, she, so can she. It is better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon who she can vent jealousy. That's a third-party involvement, again. Um, it says, it may be, on page 82, that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness othermost other in mind. That is a great way to reintroduce yourself and revisit your sex ideal. What is the, wo the woman, the wife, that God intends for me to be? I'm not thinking about what my husband owes me, mm -hmm. how he needs to show up. He's fallen short. I take my attention off of him, and I go right to me. What am I doing? How am I showing up? Am I being the, the wife that God intends me to be? You know, and I, another multiple step one experiences. I don't have that power. I pray for it. God, please help me mold and meet my ideals. One of the beautiful things in this program is here we, we hear a lot of, well, you know, I'm not eating anymore, uh, so I'm just going to make a living amends, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to go out, and I'm going to start being really great to everybody. I'm going to start practicing my opposites, right, like I have the power to do that. And I'm always brought back by my sponsor. Lack of power is your dilemma, not just when you're eating or drunk. Lack of power is your dilemma when you're sober, now you think you're going to have the power to go out and be a good girl, right? It tells me here, um, plenty, there's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic or a food addict say that the only thing that he needs to do is keep sober and abstinent. Certainly he must keep sober and abstinent because there will be no home if he doesn't. But he's yet a long way from making good to the people for whom years he is so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patience mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today and perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. I am a tornado. But when I'm heavy in the food, I'm like a blob. You keep, like I'm this thing that everybody has to walk around. Right? I can't even get myself up off of a couch. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have been kept the home in turmoil. We feel a woman is unthinking when she says that sobriety is enough. It's not okay for me to sit here and have daydreams about how I'm going to go out and be a better wife, a better mother, a better worker, a better AA woman. It's just not okay. I've got to do my part. On 83, tells me, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. I must take the lead. I can't sit and wait for everybody else to make my relationships better. A remorseful mumbling that I am sorry will not fit the bill at all. Here is my nine-step prayer. I ask every morning in meditation that my Creator show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. 
this also becomes part of my ideals. Because when I look at my ideals and I come up with my ideals, basically, this is what God wants me to be. In every one of my relationships, in every role I have, I cut to the chase and I go, all right, God, how patient was I today? How tolerant was I today? How kind am I today? How loving am I today? I don't know how to be those things. I have to have him show me the way of those things. Right? I can't assume I know what that is. I get a little bit of my information in my sex conduct inventory because I know what I was doing that I know is not God's will. <laughs> right? The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. I'm saying I'm spiritual. I'm in a 12-step program. I'm not saying my prayers. I'm sit, sitting, taking up a, a seat in a meeting. Am I taking anybody through a third step? Am I showing anybody a fifth step? Am I doing anything but sitting being the patient? It's time to get on board. I have to live this life. It's not just theorizing on that, on that poster. I've got to actually do this stuff. I have to live it. This is, again, I'm making demonstration. I don't have the power. Lack of power is my dilemma. So I ask God, please demonstrate through me what you can do here today. There's some posturing on 83. I should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. That's beautiful, right? I love that. So in step eight, I have a very, very specific way of getting ready. I go back and I put all of my harms very clearly on index cards with the name on the top. It's so simple. It's tangible. It's, it's evident. I can touch it. I can see it. This has to be done. I need to clean up this mess. And I go to this person in this helpful and forgiving spirit. I am also sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. I call. I make an appointment. I tell them why I'm calling. I don't make it a big mystery and can make confusion for people. I pick up a phone and I go, I need to make an amends with you. Can I have five minutes of your time? I meet with them. And I go right to no ego. I was wrong when I have my harms listed in front of me because I don't want to depend on my memory. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'll make stuff up or omit things, right? Because these relationships are important, right? I ask for forgiveness. I was wrong when I. Can you forgive me? For people that really mattered, like my husband and my mom and my brother, I asked them, what else have I done to hurt you that I might not be afraid of, I might be aware of? I give them a chance to talk, right? And then I say, how can I make it better? I don't use those for everybody. It's just enough for me to say, I was wrong when I did these things. Can you forgive me? This is a skill set that's the most valuable thing I learned in AA. I don't know how to, how to make amends. I don't know how to say I'm sorry. And, wow, I mean, forgiveness is everything. It's everything in the spiritual world. So now I'm learning. And I get, I get ready by saying, okay, who am I willing to make amends to now, God? I'm ready to do these. I can see my part. It's clear. i got to clean it up. And I go out and I do them. Maybe I'm a little reticent with some of them, so I leave them for last. <laughs> and I ask God, help me be willing. What do I need to see here? How can I move forward? What, I like to give examples of amends. And the most amazing example of my amends is this whole thing about financial restitution. My 
willfulness and my need to play God brought me into a financial disaster and I needed to clean it up. And the only way that I could clean it up was I had to take legal action and claim bankruptcy, lose my house, lose my business, lose my house that housed my business, lose my career. I, that was, that was my, I couldn't do it any other way. It would have, I would have never been able to repay what I did. And I went to my teacher and I said, something's not sitting right with me. I feel like I'm getting off scot-free. Uh, even though I lost my, I'm still, I have, a, I have a house, a roof over my head. Everything landed me perfectly fine. I think God knew he needed me. He needed me out working with his other kids. But I still felt bad. And he said, why don't you get quiet and ask God what he wants you to do to make that right. So I started. Now, the thing with amends is we have to be patient. It is God's timing. And I want it done yesterday, right? I end up being in a position where I moved out of my area. In this process of getting spiritual, I find that my roots of Catholicism bring me back to St. Francis. I have an affinity with St. Francis. And when I move, my parish's name is St. Clair of Assisi. St. Clair is the female who was a nun and followed St. Francis's teachings. And her whole message is to live with less. They're called the poor sisters. How appropriate is that for me? <laughs> I, I couldn't do without anything. So I start practicing these things, right? And I call the parish and I go, hey, I moved to the area and, you know, I'm wondering how I can help. And uh, I sent it in an email. I didn't call. I sent it in an email and I didn't hear anything. And I sat on that for a while. I don't know why. It nagged at me. I should call them. And I wouldn't call them. Like, my own willfulness was getting in the way. And then I, in my step 10, I'd be, God, show me corrective measures. All right, make that call. And every month I would go to my spiritual group and go, I still haven't called those people, right? I'm so human. I don't know. It takes what it takes, right? Just around the time that my son left for the Air Force, I get an email. And it's from St. Clair Parish. And they say, we, you know, we realized that you uh, sent us an email and we just noticed it, would you be willing to work with us in our parish feeding the hungry? <laughs> and I am just blown away. I'm a compulsive overeater through and through. I've taken so much food out of the world that I did not, had no right eating. So now I get to go meet with these people who are so loving I mean, they are not alcoholics. They don't have, they're not forced to work with people. They do it out of the kindness of their heart. <laughs> and I get to show up there and run a food pantry. Now, I'm a pushy. I think all my character defects are horrible, right? I need to stop being pushy. I need to be calm. I, need to, I can't run the show. Guess what? I'm a born leader. God's going to use the good and the bad. And the good and the bad, I can no longer decipher what that is. So I go in. They need me. They needed somebody. God put me there. I cleared out five boxes full of expired food. This is not a well-run organization because expired food, that meant people went hungry when they didn't have to be, right? So this is my, this is my work. I work with alcoholics. I work with drug addicts. I work with food addicts. I, wor I feed the hungry. 
I can't not have a more fulfilling life than cleaning up my past, letting this stuff go, and being free with God in neutral so that he can push me wherever he needs me. All roads lead back to step three. I signed up, put me to work, and this is how he does it. I didn't have to go figure that stuff out. It was done for me because I showed up willing, not qualified, but willing, (laughs) you know? And maybe I am qualified. I don't know. Maybe he'll give me whatever I need to make this happen, you know? But I can tell you that my humility in my greatness is an amazing thing. I'm in awe of every day. I called Kim crying yesterday over how useful I now am. And that's, that sounds like such lack of humility. But if I don't recognize that that's God demonstrating through me what he can do, that's lack of humility. Mm-hmm. That's all God. It's all God. You know, and I'm just humbled. I'm so humbled. I'm so grateful. And I'm just so wonderfully fed and and nourished when I'm not in charge. Great reminders for me. So I think um, I think that'll end my talk.